Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's episode 150, Dom. Wow. We did it. The 50th video podcast and the 150th overall. What a moment. Let the confetti. Mm-hmm. You, you got the confetti oh, on there, right? <laughs> well, I can't do nothing like that yet. <laughs> no, just, this needs to be like an uh, iPhone message where you just say, yeah. like, congratulations and the confetti Boom, falls. So, yeah. <laughs> For 200, so, uh, we'll try something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Just going to be a normal preview episode. Nothing too crazy here. That's the way we do things. It's just a number. We keep going, baby. That's right. But we do appreciate your guys' support through 150 episodes to those that joined us at episode one, to you guys that joined us at episode 149. Yep. Your support means the same. But you guys that joined at episode one is just a little bit more special. <laughs> but uh, Dominic, what's up, brother? How you doing today? Hey, man. It's been a good week. I just want to say it off the top. If I sound a bit deeper voiced, a little congestion, you know, I got a scratchy throat, a little sniffy nose. Hopefully it's nothing too annoying. Noah's is the one that has to listen to me off recording and during recording. You guys just get the in recording part. But uh, I'm excited to be back in the studio. We got two cards to discuss. We got some news. We got Contender Series. It's 150 episodes deep. It's a good day. It's a good Friday. Noah, how are you doing? Feel better now. Got done with an exam right before this episode. Right before. Had an exam yesterday. Oh. Guys, midterms are brutal. Oof. Had two before the break. You know, we and had... we know they're all A's. <laughs> Honestly, Dominic. I'm gonna tell you what I told what I told one of my buddies in one of, in the class I had yesterday. I said, "He said, how'd you do?" And I said, "Well, I might have done better if I just hadn't shown up." All right. So well, let's get into those fight announcements. There we go now. <laughs> and there is gonna be a theme here, and that theme is women's flyweight. Yes, sir. Uh, and that starts with Jessica I, Ohio stand up. True. She's out, unfortunately, of her scheduled bout with Andrea Lee. But we do have our replacement, and that's the recently uh, fought Cynthia Calvillo coming off her pretty one-sided loss to Jessica Andrade at UFC Mm -hmm. 266. She's stepping in for November 13th to fight Andrea Lee. Dominic, I think it's a good fight for Cynthia Calvillo. I'm just not exactly sure if I love the idea of her jumping right back in. I mean, she did get finished in that fight in the first round, and um, not that Andrea Lee is usually, I guess, um, well, you know, she's, she is a threat on the feet for sure. It's just uh, I don't know if um, she, she doesn't quite carry the power like Jessica Andrade. Nobody does. Let's put it that way. I just uh, – if she's going to come back this quick, it's a good opponent to step in on. Andrea Lee, who has looked pretty good as of late, but you know, just someone ranked behind you is a way to kind of – Keep yourself relevant. Hold your spot. What do you think of this one? Yeah, uh, I like it. Obviously, hats off to Jessica. I. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. Hopefully, you see her back in there soon. Now we got number five versus number 12. Definitely a step back for uh, Cynthia uh, from, you know, Jessica Andrade, who's number one, to now Andrea Lee. But as you said, Andrea Lee on a, looked really good. She was on a skid, right? But it was one of those split decisions, and she raised her thin bouts. Then she looked amazing against Antonina Shevchenko. She's known for her striking, and she grappled the heck out of Antonina in that one and looked phenomenal. So I'll be very curious to see, can she do that against someone who's known for their grappling in Cynthia Calvillo? 
Uh, it's a good bounce back for her and a good fight for Andrea Lee to maybe launch herself right into top five territory. Mm-hmm. Following that, this is the big one. It's the only outlier from that women's flyweight <laughs> talk. That's the Bellator Bantamweight title will be on the line. Um, maybe the last Bellator event of the year, Bellator 272, as it's being called now, uh, happening on December 3rd. Sergio Pettis will be defending for the first time against the recently signed Kyoji Horiguchi. Coming from Ryzen over here to to really get to take back the title potentially yeah. that he never lost. Uh, still, I guess, in a, they call it the lineal champion. I guess he's still kind of the lineal champion in that way. So this is a big fight. And, you know, I really want Bellator to do a Bantamweight Grand Prix. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is a fight that needs to happen. I wanted it to happen. So even if we do get a Grand Prix after this, I'm glad that they're doing this fight now. Yeah, this is an amazing fight. Sergio Pettis has looked so rejuvenated in Bellator, being up at Bantamweight now. He looks like he belongs there. He beat... Oh, gosh, what was the champion before him? I forget his name. Uh, Archuleta. He was a very mm-hmm. dominant champion, beat him. Now he's going up against Horiguchi, who, again, never lost that Bellator belt. Went over to Ryzen. He's a champion there. I think it's a fantastic matchup for Bellator. And when we discussed this off recording, mm-hmm. you said, well, maybe Rafael Stotts just, you know, he, he, he even when he kind of, we thought, earned the shot, this was before Horiguchi, got thrown into the mix. He wasn't super keen on fighting Sergio Pettis, acted like maybe he would wait, uh, mentioned the Grand Prix, things like that. Um, but I honestly think Horiguchi should be in this position. I understand, you know, he hasn't been fighting in Bellator for the majority of this time, but Bellator and Ryzen have always kind of, they've, they've, they've done some cross promotion in their time together. So yep. it, to me, you can, he can come right in and, be one of the top bantamweights, not just in Bellator, but in the world, in my opinion. So um, this is this, this is a tough test for Sergio Pettis, who has really came into his own since going to Bellator. But has he has he really gotten to that level where you know can he take on someone like Horiguchi, who really hasn't ever looked less than near perfect in his time as a bantamweight? Yeah, that's a very good point. Following that, January 22nd, UFC 270. Get two different women's flyweight yeah. fights. Uh, Caitlin Shukagian and Jennifer Maya are going to run it back. Dominic, do you care about this? Eh, well, okay. On to the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and Vivian Arayujo and Alexa Grasso. That's number seven. I care about this. 10. Now, Grasso was uh, recently taken out of her fight with Joanne Calderwood. That was supposed to happen... Uh, November. November. So she gets rebooked, even though – so I guess it's not a lingering problem. It's not right. going to be a long-term problem for her. Uh, going up against Vivian, this is good matchmaking in my yes. opinion. Yes, yes. Two women that have a clear edge over the other in a certain aspect. But, you know, they both really – they both have kind of built a name for themselves. I mean, Grasso's always been looked at as a – as a bit of a prospect, as uh, someone that had a lot of potential, but even Vivienne has been in some dog fights in her last few outings, and yeah, yeah, she hasn't came out on the right side of a couple, but I think she's earned a reputation for herself for simply coming and performing to the best of her abilities. Here against Grasso, she will likely be looking to take that fight to the ground. Uh, I look forward to it. 
Yeah, this is a great fight. We're big on Alexa Grasso. She's looked great since coming to flyweight. It really seems like it's the proper weight class for her. A great boxer. Uh, and then Vivian, very well-rounded, but would you would think, as Noah said, you wouldn't want to stand with Alexa. Top 10 implications. And in this division, you never know when the title implication is on the line, too. So both women are going to look to come and make a statement. Now, Dominic, I'm, I'm going to ask you, since we've talked about all this women's flyweight matchups and whatnot, uh, for Chukagian and Maya, Mm-hmm. I know, I know. We kind of skipped over it because it's yeah. they're rematching, and ultimately, both have lost to the champion, and in pretty one-sided fashion. So it's kind of like, what's at stake, really? But Chukagian is ranked second. Yeah, Maya's ranked fourth. I guess the, I guess my 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 question here, Dominic, is with all these matchups being made, are any of these? Could you see any of these winners really if they have a standout performance? In your opinion, does a does a big time win for any of these ladies, you know, entice you? Like, is that something that you want to see as them fight for a title? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I could see it if something really spectacular happens. Like, for example, if you know Chikagian's now back on a two fight win streak, if she were to make it three and beat Maya convincingly, maybe she can get a rematch with Valentina. But I look at more of these fresher matchups. So like Vivian and Alexa feels more like there's more on the line in that one. Or the one uh, JoJo and I forget who she got rebooked with, but the one in November, that one seems more important to me than Jennifer Maya and Caitlin Chukagian. Also because it, that matchup that they had is still so fresh a mind. Uh, and now we're already running it back. It's just, again, we like this division and all of the new blood that's coming in. But that top five is still so lackluster because they've already faced Valentina. So that one specifically, no, it's these fresher ones, these newer girls that make me more excited. And this is going to be my point. And this is exactly why we will see Valentina Shevchenko find Amanda Nunes a third time. And this is why I'm honestly, Dominic, I've been won over. I don't know if I've been won over or if I've been forced into submission. Forced. Forced into submission. Yes. Because – I can't sit here and look at any of these fights and no disrespect to any of these ladies on here. I mean, they're some of these, they, they are all just, they're just getting booked for fights. They're, they're yeah. not, you know, doing anything wrong, but based on the, the string of performances I've seen from these contenders with these who, who came in and deserved these title shots, Lauren Murphy, Jennifer mm-hmm. Maya, Caitlin Chukagian, and they just get steamrolled. Yes. And for Amanda Nunes, you have similar discussions about who she's fought, even though she's kind of bounced back and forth between Bantamweight and uh, she hasn't even defended. The last time she defended the Bantamweight title was. It's been two when? years, 2019. Because nobody's nobody's came and made themselves a contender. Even yeah. Juliana Pena, who has looked good and, you know, has talked to talk a little bit and made herself uh, relevant. A year ago, she got choked out by Jermaine Durandamy. Jermaine Durandamy's first submission win of her career. And that's where Juliana Pena is supposed to excel. So I'm just saying it's not exactly been the best of runs for these contenders in uh, flyweight or bantamweight. So, Dominic, you can sit there, and we've shed on the idea of Shevchenko Nunes, but is there any other fight in these two divisions that is more intriguing to you right now than that third fight? Oh, and you word it that way, Noah. I guess the answer is no. Maybe Juliana <laughs> Pena could pull a rabbit out of my 
I, I will say I like Juliana Pena. I do, and yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I like that fight. Honestly, would I put that fight above her and Shevchenko? I probably would. I, 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 I am intrigued. There's by an that intrigue now. there, especially Even because though, she made it that way with the talk. Yeah, like she, stuff. she did a little bit. I just want to see her. I actually kind of want to see her keep it up. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of that with Nunez. You know, no. you don't see a lot no. of people like really get in her face and you know talk some trash. Right. Do I love manufactured trash talk? No, but if it's real, talk that talk, Juliana. Yeah. But I'm saying after that, like even if Calderwood wins in November, whoop the fucking do. <laughs> uh, no offense, sir. Like if she gets a title shot, I'll be fine with it. I'll be excited for it when it comes around. You guys know how this works. Like, just because we say certain things on here, if the fights get booked, we're going to get excited for them. If Nunez Shevchenko gets booked after December, Dominic, don't pretend like when that fight comes around, you're not going to be excited for it. I'm going to try my hardest not to be. It's just at the end of the day, the fight that people think it is is not what it really is. Exactly. They think it's like a fight. The the end the fight to end all fights. The like they the need it to have the women's goat. Will be decided, and I just don't think that's fair. First off, no. Amanda Nunes has won. Whether you guys think Shevchenko won or not, she's on the scorecards. Won the previous two encounters. Yeah, both of which, might I add, love both these women. Boring as shit. So let's say this third fight goes similar fashion, tit for tat, pretty dull fight, but Valentina squeaks out a decision. How can you say that she's the women's goat after that? Sure, she has a win over Nunez, but look at and this Valentina has been so dominant, but her best win is probably Joanna. And that's a great win. But look at the champions Nunez has beat. I don't think like she's if, beat if every she, champion. <laughs> if Shevchenko went in there and like starched Amanda, yeah, that's one thing. If she did like what Amanda did to Chris Cyborg, yeah. All right, we got a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I just think the chances of that are so slim. And I think that fight's really just going to raise more questions than it does give answers. Yeah, and it's like, well, okay, well, if Valentina wins, then what are we going to do? We're going to do a saga? We're going to do a fourth fight and a fifth fight? It's just like, no, Valentina is a no. flyweight. She's not a bantamweight. I know she was incredible at bantamweight, and the only losses she had were to Amanda. <laughs> but she is a natural flyweight. I want them to appreciate. I want people to appreciate their greatness in each of their respective weight classes. But whatever, people. That's fine. It's fine. That was a nice little tangent we went on. I had more fun talking about that than the fights. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's get into a little bit more news. And uh, this is all just going to be what we missed and some stuff to follow up on, uh, starting with Chuck Liddell. Uh, we didn't, for good reason, we didn't, you know, elaborate too much on his story that was going on at the time. Uh, TMZ had reported, this was, I guess, a couple weeks ago now, he had been arrested following a domestic dispute at his uh, home, or I don't know if arrested is the right word, or taken into custody, whatever. Yeah. You guys know what I mean. Um, however, it just the, the we probably wouldn't even have talked about it on here. The problem is, is that you had Luis Pena get released at the same time, and you had the John Jones stuff going on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more so just a discussion of like, how does this look for yes. the UFC? And because of that, I think we owe Chuck Liddell this as well, since we brought that up. He has been cleared of any – he will not be charged, I guess, is the right terminology here. Right. Now, something took place at that home, and it looks like he might have been more so the the victim here. I'm not mm-hmm. going to – it's all hearsay, but 
I just hope that, you know, for Chuck and for his family, I hope they they all get the help they need and ultimately come out of this better and stronger because of it. Right. But it, it's got to feel a little good that one of our legends we can still hold on to for now at least and say, you know, he, he, Chuck Liddell's like the Babe Ruth of, yeah. of MMA, you know. Keep he's him like up on myst- that throne. He's this mystical figure, right? You don't want yeah. – you don't. It's like that you don't want to have one of those never meet your heroes kids type right. moment, you know. Right. Um, uh, the other story, Kevin Lee uh, got flagged by USADA, apparently tested positive for Adderall. Hmm. This is a first that I can remember. Yeah, anyway. this is a very odd one. So I guess Kevin Lee uh, was diagnosed with adult ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say in 2018 is what he said. Didn't start receiving proper treatment for it until 2020, which included uh, Adderall. But I guess in order to use Adderall, you have to file for some sort of a uh, medical exemption with USADA that he did not do. So because of that, he's been flagged. Um, will likely have like a six-month I think, suspension. Yeah, yeah. Which... You know, considering he lost to Daniel Rodriguez in his last fight, I I don't think this will end up being too big of a deal. It's 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 more just so just unfortunate that this really needed to be a situation, anyways. Like, is Adderall really a performance enhancing drug? Right. I don't know. You guys can tell me. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, Kevin Lee, hope to see you back soon after that uh, inevitable suspension comes down and. Hopefully you'll get a bounce back win. Yeah, it's just another odd chapter in that Kevin Lee storybook that we've talked about time and time again. You know, yeah, that's the only reason why it's almost even worth talking about. It's just because it's Kevin Lee. It's just yeah, man. there's always something happening. Yeah, you know, you know and I, I don't even hate like I'm not hating on the guy for no. it. Like, you know, he it's easy to make that kind of mistake. You know, it's just man, it's like the guy can't just put it all together. Right. There's always something, that and we want to see it. That's the thing, yeah. even more so. Yeah. Let's talk about contender series. Week eight, Noah. Yeah, oh. We're almost we're almost to the end. That makes me want to cry. Just, just as soon as it came, it was gone. <laughs> but uh week eight happened Tuesday night. Five fights, four contracts. Yes, correct. correct. So Dominic, same question as usual. What was your biggest takeaway from this week of action? I mean <laughs> It's got to be Armin Petrosian, man, this kid. I just want to say that he was fighting an undefeated. I don't want to mess this name up, so I'm going to look down and see Kalyan Kolev. (laughs) Close enough. It's got to be close enough. I'm just going to say Kolev. He was undefeated, 10-0. He was a champion uh, of another regional circuit uh, over there in, like, the Russia area. He's known for his grappling, his dominance. He had eight finishes out of his 10 wins. And he faced adversity early on, Armin, this is. He was getting taken down, big, strong takedowns, held up against the fence, taking some punishment. But Armin was able to get it back to the feet when he needed it to. And when it was on the feet, my, oh, my, is he precise? Is he technical? And, ooh, he is very damn powerful. He ends the fight with a nasty head kick, 427 into the first round. Didn't even land the cleanest, but it put – uh, Kolev on his ass, then he goes in for the finish, and this was a straight-up knockout, not a TKO. <laughs> Armin Petrosian, A, there was no doubt in Dana's mind to sign this kid. He was up, running out of his seat, Dana was, running around the apex. It was one of those big, flashy knockouts you see 
once in a blue moon on the contender series. Yeah, he, by and large, he was the the big name to come out of this. But unfortunately, and Dominic's going to make me be the one to 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 continue carrying the negative, being the negative Nancy. Of, There's on two the more weeks now. <laughs> I agree with every contract given out. But there's one, there's one thing that just bothers me about this week. And yes, I'm going to be upset about it. And you guys can call me a bitch or whatever. That main event, all right? Johnny Parsons gets the split decision over Solomon Renfro. Great fight. I love the fight. Yeah. It seemed like what the difference came down to was everything Solomon Renfro was throwing was having an impact on Johnny Parsons. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Johnny Parsons was being hurt by so much of what Renfro was throwing. However, Johnny Parsons being able to withstand the storm, if you will, being able to weather the storm and remain in the fight and even have some moments of his own, has some really nice Muay Thai striking, was very admirable. With that being said, I scored the fight 30-26 to Solomon Renfro. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll admit... That's pretty one-sided scorecard, and most people I saw didn't score it that much in Renfro's favor. But the majority opinion that I've seen is that Solomon Renfro won this fight. Right. You hear that behind me? A a tad bit in the distance. Okay. I'm assuming nobody else is going to be able to hear it, but it is very (laughs) annoying. I don't know what's going on out there. Noah's trying to think, damn it. I know. I keep hearing We were hearing it off recording. (laughs) And now, like, it sounds like it's getting louder. I'm like, is this car horn getting closer? What is happening? <laughs> Anyways, what what bothers me, though, is that Solomon Renfro didn't even get a word in from Dana White. Yeah. I swear it's getting closer. It's freaking me out. It's like you're in a scary movie. <sighs> okay. I'm going to try to stay calm. Bring it all this. in. They're apparently just mad about this whole situation, too. So, okay. Solomon Renfro put on an exceptional performance, I thought, that was worthy of a contract. But I get it. He was on the wrong side of a very – could you call it a close fight, I guess? I mean, I I really didn't think it was that close. I mean, I I was very close, Dominic, to calling this fight the the much – the word we hate Mm. the most. Yeah. A robbery. Yeah. Controversial to say the least. But I didn't. But I didn't call it a robbery. However – in the post-fight press conference, what was so weird to me was that Dana gave a lot of credit to a couple of different fighters that lost on this card. Yeah. Uh, Vales- Valeska Machado. Mm-hmm. He gave her a ton of credit, which I'm not saying she doesn't deserve that credit. She looked great. That was a great fight. Yeah. But not even a word for Solomon Renfro. I think he even got asked. Yeah. And he said, well, he was a big favorite. He's 24 years old. I'm sure he'll be back. Yeah. And then just gave more credit to Johnny Parsons. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. I'm not upset at Johnny Parsons getting a contract, but if he's getting a contract, Solomon Renfro should have got five contracts. Right. Yeah. This is just what it comes down to. Dana said he scored the fight for Parsons. So, I mean, I think after that Petrosian knockout, I think Dana got put into a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a, mood. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. I think he just, he got put into like a, like a, I don't know, like dude was just in a trance the rest yeah, of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I personally just don't know how you see that main event go to Parsons, but 
for Johnny Parsons. I don't want that to be – I wanted to focus on just the heart he showed and the, the grit and to be able to come back from nearly being finished in that first round and look better in rounds two and three, even though he was still obviously hindered by the damage done in round one. But instead, I have to focus on the fact that he shouldn't have won this fight and ultimately probably shouldn't have got the contract if you're not going to give one to Renfro. It's just, I hate that I have to focus on that. But all in all, good week of action. Yeah. Three finishes, and I mean, Pedro Falcao was the only guy who didn't get the contract here, and I thought that was – I thought it was somewhat warranted. I mean, he, he looked good, but, you know, I – I think James Barnes was 39 years old. Yeah, that um, was interesting to me that they had um, someone that age on the contingent. And they even asked, I think it was, um, I think it was um, John Morgan, asked Dana, like, would you have really considered giving him a contract if he had looked good? And he's like, that's a good question. He's like, yeah, I mean, I would have. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, would you? You know, he did have a very touching story before and heartbreaking mm-hmm. stuff before him, but. Yeah, I mean, Caio Barallo, second time on in three weeks. In three he weeks. Looked, yeah. he, he made up quite a statement here with his TKO over Jesse Murray. The women's fight, Pierre Rodriguez looked really good. I mean, all in all, there's a lot of positive takeaways. I just hate that, like, the guy that, it, once again, I was, like, highest on gets snubbed. And I don't know if right. I'm just – maybe I'm just a terrible scout of talent. I don't know. But all in all, good week, good week of fights. There it is. So let's move into Bellator 269. Oh, my. And this is going to be a theme for these fight breakdowns is that these headlines had to be changed multiple times. Yeah. Originally, this just said the last dance because we, but everybody was saying this was Fedor's retirement fight. He gets to fight in Russia. You know, he hasn't fought in a long time. The man's in his 40s. And then he comes out and says, I know retire. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that's not really what we have to focus on right now. Ultimately, he is fighting this Friday, correct? It's Saturday again as well. Saturday, okay. So they have to go at the same so time. He's fighting this Saturday against Timothy Johnson, who is the number two ranked heavyweight in Bellator. And Dominic, I know Timothy Johnson isn't the name of a, you know, we were talking about this fight. Before he had an opponent attached, we were talking about Alistair Overeem, and yeah, Junior Dos Santos, guys like that. I think Timothy Johnson might be one of the tougher opponents that he could have gotten for this fight. Fedor, I know that Fedor over his career, as great and illustrious as his career has been, he has fought a killer's row of just the top fighters in the world and pride. And then even in strike force and yeah. things like that, everything in between, even for affliction, he fought Andre Arlovsky and Tim Sylvia on back to back cards. But towards the later run of his career, he has started to get a little bit more favorable matchmaking. He's mm-hmm. gone over and to some organizations that would kind of allow him to pick and choose his opponents. He's had some iffy decisions that he won, but it's like, did he really win? You know, stuff like that. That's kind of been a theme a little bit towards the later parts of his career. He is a legend after all. So here against Timothy Johnson over in Russia, this fight is put together. This was a hand-picked opponent, I'm sure, by Fedor. But I'm a little confused as to why, because Timothy Johnson is 
looked very, very good over his last few fights in Bellator. I know Bellator's heavyweight division is not the most stacked division, but up until his loss in the the, the interim title fight to uh, Moldovsky, I mean, Timothy Johnson was looking like he had really came into his own. Yeah, so, and he looked good in the title fight. So Fedor coming in here off, I believe, a couple years of inactivity, and you know he has all this pressure on him, and that it's his, it's his home country and everything. And he's got to go up against one of the top contenders in Bellator's heavyweight division. This is an uphill battle, in my opinion, for Fedor. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, honestly a really hard fight. I mean, again, Timothy Johnson was on a three-fight win streak at one point and got him to an interim title fight in a fight that he looked pretty good in, and it went five rounds. It was a barn burner that he had with Moldovsky. Um, and again, he's going to be the bigger guy, the longer guy, Timothy, that is. I, this is not an easy fight by any means. It's cool that they're doing this for Fedor in uh, Russia. I think it's a big deal for Bellator to be doing these international events like this. I'll be curious to see kind of how that crowd is going to be uh, acknowledging him. I'm sure it's going to be very loud, very crazy there. Um, and Fedor, at the end of the day, is a legend. I'll be curious to see how he looks, though. Again, it's been a couple years. His last fight was Rampage Jackson in 2019. Uh, he did knock out Rampage, but still, that's an older Rampage as well. So these are the type of fights you see Fedor in, but this is not an easy one uh, by any means. So let me give you my my what my head's been thinking about this whole situation. Uh, once I saw that Fedor is saying that this might not be his retirement fight, my mind went to one direction. We'll see what you think. If Fedor wins here against Timothy Johnson, that would technically make him the number two ranked Bellator heavyweight. Yeah. We do have a fight that needs to be made between Ryan Bader and Valentin Moldovsky right. for that Bellator heavyweight title. <clears throat> would it be crazy that if Fedor beats Timothy Johnson, that his retirement fight would be for the Bellator heavyweight title with the winner of Ryan Bader, Valentin Moldovsky. That may just be the play for him, Noah. I mean, maybe he thinks this is a good matchup with Tim, and maybe that is why he chose it. <laughs> He's like, well, if I fight this guy, who is number two in the division, just fought for a title, if I beat him, I'm next in line. So, I mean, what, I mean, what, else, what else is the reason for him not to retire at this point, is my opinion, because yeah. he was so, at least by all accounts, it sounded like that was pretty much a done deal. This was a retirement fight. He gets the fight. To go off into the sunset in his own country. Exactly. And now he's kind of reverting back. Was that because title shots on the table? What else what else is there? And you or gotta maybe, think Bellator would surely do it too. I mean, maybe he wins this and gets a big fight with like Alistair Overeem or something. I mean, what mm-hmm. I don't see I really don't see what would be the th- I mean, I get it, like a guy who's spent his whole career, dedicated his whole life the combat sports, not wanting to hang him up. But it just seems weird to be so committed to it to then back off, and that's the only thing I can see. He wins this. He's number two ranked in Bellator. Title fight. And we know how that went for him when he fought Ryan Bader the first time. Didn't go very well. So, you know, it'd be an interesting test, though, because Ryan Bader's had an iffy run in his last few fights as well. Yeah, and I almost wonder, like, okay, what if Modolski can beat Bader – it's like, does Fedor want to go fight a fellow countryman to battle a Russia for the heavyweight title? Or is he going to wait and see, well, if Bader wins, I'll go do it. I'll go do the title shot. But if it's Valentin, it's like, okay, he can kind of take the reins now and 
be the heavyweight guy in Bellator. I don't know. It would be interesting to know if he would fight Moldovsky. Moldovsky versus Fedor in Russia. It would be pretty interesting if they did that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's just my thoughts. Uh, overall, I am excited for this fight because how can you not get excited? This is the one and only – or the first time, I guess not the only now, that we've gotten to talk about Fedor on this podcast in an yeah. actual um, preview fight that's upcoming. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be interested to see how he looks because I don't think that Rampage-Jackson fight was much to go off of. I mean, that's the fight that a lot of people clowned on Rampage for because his, his – uh, his physique just was not very not rampage-like. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so I think there's a lot of questions about how good Fedor's going to look coming in here. And it's he's going to have a lot to answer, and he's going to have to do it pretty quickly against a guy who's remained active, has gotten better over the last couple of years, and not an easy fight. So. Yeah, I see, a, I see a finish incoming either way this goes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to UFC. All right, Dominic. <laughs> oh, boy. This is interesting. So now's time to maybe mention that we are recording this episode. For no reason, yeah. we're just going to throw this in here. Right we're here, recording yeah. this episode. It is 12.21 p.m. on Thursday, October After 21st. Noon. Yeah. So this is ten- basically a day before you guys are probably listening to this or watching this. The reason we say that is because... What a weird fight week it has been. Our scheduled five-round main event between Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori, two top five middleweights, both coming off losses in title fights to the champ Israel Adesanya, both looking, you know, big stakes in this fight for both guys, really, especially Costa, considering the the one-sided fashion of his loss to Adesanya. Now, as of yesterday, or yesterday when we're recording this, the, they were doing their media days. Costa says, I'm 211 pounds, yeah, and I'm not going to make weight. Not going to make it. Straight up. I'm not even going to try. Come again? What did you say? <laughs> You're not going to make weight. Yeah. You're just not going to try? Like, what? Yeah. So we know Costa cuts a huge amount of weight anyways. The guy's huge for 185 pounds, so he just says, "I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make weight." And you know, a lot of people have kind of came after him for this, and I'll say rightfully so. But obviously, this is weird. And then to even come out even further and go, "Well, if Marvin Vittori wants to fight, then you know we can do this at 195 pounds, 205 pounds." Yeah, you know. Dude at a catch weight or at light heavyweight. Like this fight, if it doesn't happen, it's Marvin's fault. Was yeah, that's was that's saying. essentially the, what, what was being said, which we know is downright bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, dog, we're, what are we doing? So this has been a weird fight week, and I think it's only going to get weirder if I'm being honest. Oh yeah, Dominic, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you loose here. You know, I've been, you know, like when uh when police have the the canine units and yeah. they're holding them yeah. back. I'm on the then chain. Then just let him go. That's what I got. I got Dominic on the chain. I'm All right, I'm going to let him loose. Dominic, we know this has not been the best of weeks and for Paulo Costa, but ultimately, why is this so annoying? Why is this such a problem? 
So have we ever been in this situation? Because I can't recall where a fighter has come in. I just want to point this out. This fight has been booked. Uh, let me think. Costa signed a new contract June, late June, like the 21st or something of June of this year. And the fight was booked shortly thereafter. Let's just say it was booked in July. It is now October. This fight has been booked for three, almost four months. You're coming in on fight week at media day. And you're saying, yeah, I'm 211. I'm not going to make 185. Uh, but Marvin, hey, if you want to, if you want to fight, you know, I'll do it. Just not at our signed bout agreement weight at middleweight where we're literally both top five guys in the world. I've never seen this ever in the, the history of the UFC that I've been watching where someone has come in and just said, I'm not cutting weight, but if he wants to fight, we'll do it. If not, it's his fault. Dude. Well, I mean, didn't this kind of happen with Nick Diaz, not to cut you off? <sighs> oh, the 185 thing? Yeah, I get What the hell? That did just happen. What are we doing, <laughs> UFC? Well, God, And then we're giving what... guys contracts on Contender Series with missing weight and shit. Hold on, okay. Sorry, not to cut you off, but just I guess that's the only other time it's happened, but it happened so close. Literally a couple one. weeks ago. I'm wondering if that's the precedent. <laughs> like Paulo Costa's like, oh if oh. he can do it, I'm gonna do it. So I can I can I can fight at catch weight now, can I? Yeah. By the way, is he even gonna make that? This dude still needs to cut 16 pounds to make a catch weight bout. Anyway, I'm highly annoyed. I think this is a very bad look for Costa that already was looking bad. He blamed his loss to Adesanya on the wine and how he was drunk going in, drank a whole bottle. What the hell are we drinking a whole bottle of wine the night before a title fight for? Then he pulls out of a bout. I forget who it was scheduled with. It was the Cannoneer one. Was it Cannoneer? He, he, well, he Whit- pulled out Whitaker. of the Robert Whitaker and then yeah. the Cannoneer fight. Yeah, and he had like hair transplant surgery or something. I don't know what's going on with Paulo Costa right now. He does say that there's a reason that this fight, that he's not making the weight and that it will come out after the fight takes place well damn it paulo i don't even know if this fight is still gonna happen by the time we're recording this so we may never know your reasoning uh i just think this is very unprofessional Uh, i feel for marvin because this is a guy that's coming off of a title loss he was coming in here looking to regain at the middleweight division crack back into that top three again he's number five and now you have to put up with this bullshit unnecessary stress and a lot of stuff going through his head, and they're having these weird Skype calls with Brett Okamoto where they're, like, being friends, kind of, and Marvin's never really friends with anyone, so I guess good on him. He's in a nice mood this week. I just think it's very weird. There's, like, underlying issues that we just don't know about, apparently. Um, I do hope the fight happens regardless because I think it is a very interesting stylistic fight, one that should be fun, I'll put it that way, but it's just so much less impactful to me as a fan if they're not even going to do it at middleweight and all this extra drama just seems so unnecessary so uh, i'm highly annoyed no i've gotten some of your thoughts offline but let's hear them right now i feel like i'm in the twilight zone (laughs) i mean like what's going on you know it's just i get it there's a lot that has to go correctly for these sort of things you know weight cuts to go smoothly and stuff this is just so unprecedented and yes i did it is kind of funny this did kind of just happen with nick diaz it just it feels different it's because yeah i think the problem is that costa basically came out and said i'm not cutting weight yeah nick diaz technically didn't come out and say that to the public yeah he probably just said that in private 
Right. So, um, you know, which is there really a difference? No. Like at the end of the day, I want to give. So here's my problem here is I'm. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, my problem is, is that, you know, with Nick, I was trying to be understanding, right? Trying to be like, what is going on? This is weird. This yeah. doesn't bode well for his chances in the fight. Obviously, there's something going on. Then you have the Aspen Lad fiasco of the last couple yeah. of weeks. And I started pretty uh, trying to be understanding of her going through a period. Right. She already cuts a lot of weight anyways. And then she went in and fought. And then I came down kind of hard on her. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to come down so hard anymore. I was trying to say after that, I was like, you know, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too negative on these podcasts. Maybe I need to, you know, even though I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people listening think we're probably too positive. Yeah. We're just positive people. Yeah. So it's hard for me to like get like this, get a little negative. You know, I don't usually do it. So I was kind of like, God, maybe I need to moving forward. I was like, you know, I'm gonna start focusing more on the brighter side of things and focus on the positives. And then this happens. Yeah, yeah. And I can't just not. I can't just be like, well, this fight might. Maybe Paulo's right. Maybe this fight will be more entertaining at 195 pounds. <laughs> I can't do it. I I respect the hell out of Marvin Vittori for of taking course. this challenge on, and for being quite the professional about it. Mm-hmm. I know that people have have their feelings about Marvin Vittori, and a lot of them aren't very positive. I never had any disrespect to the guy. Uh, some of it, you know, he's he said some things about the Adesanya fights that we, you know, from the <laughs> yeah. outside looking in are a little bit like eye rolling. But you know, that's just the reality of these guys as their egos as fighters. All in all, he's handling this better than I'm. Dare I say anybody else would? Yeah. Which is the most shocking thing I can say because he's like the biggest hothead in the UFC. It seems like so all the respect to him. And he comes out, it's looking like a million bucks in my opinion, but for Paulo, you know, my original headline for this was chance of redemption. That's out the window. There ain't no chance now. Like no. He, you have such an embarrassing loss in your last fight to the champion, a fight that going into it, I predicted him to win. Yeah. A lot of people predicted him to win. Felt like it was very 50 50, you know, for Adesanya, who's a great champion. Yeah. And to get beaten in the fashion he did. And then all the excuses that came out. I mean, the wine excuse, that didn't come out till months later. It started out with, I don't even know, it was like injuries and then this and that, the weight cut, all this stuff. Yeah. The travel. I mean, I don't know. It was, just, it was just always something. And then it was the wine. It's like, where does it end with this? Yeah. Guy? Yeah. And then he's had to pull out a multiple bouts since then, which, you know, that's, I'm not saying that he didn't have a reason to. I'm just saying it has been there. I don't know with this now coming about where he comes in and basically goes, I'm not going to make weight. I don't know if there's been a worse year for a fighter <laughs> that I can think of. Now, there have been some plenty bad years for fighters where they've, Lost two, three, four times yeah. in a year. Anthony Smith last year in a tough year. Ben Askren in 2019. Yeah, Tony Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, but in terms of like their reputation, yeah. Just going into the toilet. I mean, this, this is bad. This is bad. 
from a guy that was looked at as equivalent to the champion in a lot of ways, a fan favorite, a very fun fighter to watch, to this, a guy who apparently can't can't make it to fight night, and if he does, he's not going to weigh at the weight he's supposed to be, yeah. and is going to make a lot of excuses for why he either couldn't make the fight, couldn't make the weight, or lost the fight. That's the reputation he has at this point. Yeah. And maybe it'll come out after this that he had something pretty serious that caused him to not be able to, and he was just being upfront about it. And if so, I will issue some sort of an apology on Monday, and we can all just sing Kumbaya and move on. Yeah. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. No. I'm being honest. And in terms of the fight itself, I'm not, I haven't even talked about the fight itself. I know. Before this happened, I still was siding more with Marvin Vittori. Mm-hmm. I thought Marvin Vittori, he has the, you know, if if he could weather any sort of, I guess, onslaught from Costa, because I feel like Costa is very much, uh, he, he, th- he, for being a guy that gets a lot of credit for his power, he doesn't really knock out people in the one-punch fashion that you would think. He's usually a guy that, that really for, breaks down people with, yeah, his pressure and his output, but he's so big that he kind of has to do that in spurts. Yes. So I thought if Vittori can weather that kind of onslaught, and I thought he could really slow the fight down, do a lot of level changes, maybe get Costa to have to work off, not necessarily his back, but even just take him down, do what kind of Colby Covington did to Robbie Lawler, where you take him down and then kind of let him get back up. And then mm-hmm. you take him down again because ultimately it just it takes a lot of energy out of him to even get back up, right? Yeah. So that's where I saw this fight go, and I thought it'd be a five round decision. Didn't think it'd be the most exciting fight in the world. You know, a lot of people love this main event. We're very excited for it. I, I'm still excited for it, but I didn't think the fight was going to end up being all that great. Now that this has happened, I don't know what I'm going to see here. Not a damn clue. We're again. We don't even know if this fight will end up happening. Who knows? I mean, I'm waiting for Kelvin Gastelum to walk into Vegas. All right, let's be honest. With Kelvin's own weight cutting past, I don't think that's going to be happening, Dominic. So, um, but good joke, anyways. (laughs) Now, for all we know, Costa's going to walk in and weigh over 200 pounds, and it's just going to be like commission won't even let the fight take place or something. Um. Or I've I'm I told Dominic this I wouldn't be surprised if like we the fight is getting ready to start. Herb Dean goes, All right, you ready, you ready? Let's get on. <laughs> and then Costa just lays down and says, I'm done. Yeah, TKO, Marvin Vittori. Like One like this is somehow some sort of self sabotage or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to expect anymore. I hope yeah. we get some answers. I hope this fight ends up delivering because it really needs to. It's carrying this card, but a lot of a lot of signs point to this this just being a bit of a shit show. And I don't know if it's really going to change anytime soon. Yeah, and as we're sitting here discussing this fight in my head, it's like I feel like I'm talking about Lawler and Nick Diaz again. It does. It's just weird vibes. For this going on, isn't it kind what... of funny how quick? And I'm not saying this just for you, but considering the the amount of the amount of journalists I've seen come out hard 
Apollo Costa for this. Yeah. I felt like Nick Diaz didn't get quite anything like that. I think everybody's just confused. Yeah. By the Nick Diaz situation. And again, like, it may just go down to how they went about doing it. I think it's a lot. Of, and you know, that that might not even be fair to Paul Luke because the guy's not exactly the best English speaker in the world. Right, right. Again, I don't want to start defending the guy because until he says why, honestly, it's unprofessional. I just think yeah. that people kind of gave Nick Diaz a pass. Yeah, it feels and like maybe, that looking back. <laughs> I just think maybe there's a double standard being played here. And, you know, maybe truthfully there was a – a lot of I saw I saw more people comparing this to the Aspen Lad situation. I'm like, this isn't the same. Like, it's not the same situation. I'm like, why are we? Why are we? Like, I saw people like, well, if you came down hard on Aspen Lad, you better come down hard on Paulo Costa. It's like, I mean, maybe you're right, but is everybody forgetting that Nick Diaz just did this? <laughs> like, yeah, and I because so it is wonder, like, yeah, and like, is the UFC frustrated, annoyed, mad at what's going on? Like. Paulo's saying that they knew there was this moment. I don't know what this moment is, where they knew this fight was no longer going to take place at middleweight. But he's just now coming out on Wednesday of fight week when you fight in 72 hours and saying all of this stuff. Like, did they really know? Or did you get to Vegas this week and say, hey, this ain't going to happen? And now we're scrambling, don't know what we're going to do. It's still not even official at the time we're recording this. What's going to happen? We've seen catchweight at 195, but there's nothing official from the UFC. So it's just like, what the hell is going on? Well, are you sure? Because I, I thought, um, according to Brett last night, I thought he said that, uh, so per UFC officials, this is as of 14 hours ago, the plan is to move forward with Costa versus Vittoria at catch weight. And then, but it took him hours to get any sort of comment from the UFC. Yeah. It's... Which makes me think that this was not planned, like no, this was not, not expected. And plus the fact that they had to seek approval from Marvin Vittori, you would have already done that if this had been known ahead of time. Yeah. I did see, though, because at first I was kind of the, – the thing that was kind of sticking with me about this was that Marvin Vittori wasn't going to get any of Costa's purse because ultimately they hadn't weighed in. So – if the fight got moved to be in a catch weight before the weigh-in, then technically Costa didn't miss weight. Yeah. So, like, he wouldn't know Marvin Vittori anything. But it appears the agreement that's been made is that Vittori will receive some I portion yeah. of Costa's purse, which he should. it should be. It should be a big damn chunk, too, in my opinion. But, you know, whatever. And, you know, maybe that's a, this might be something for the round table, but – all in all, Dominic, here's a question I'll ask you to, before we move on. Is is taking money away from fighters enough anymore for, for this kind of stuff? Is it time to start taking away points? Oh, I've never even thought about taking away points. I mean, I think it happens so frequently that there does need to be more punishment. And I've seen people go where it's like, if you're 0.1 over, it's 10%, 0.2, 20%, and it goes like that which, you know, that basically means one pound over, you lose your whole damn purse. But anyway, I just think it does need to be more strict. There needs to be more of a, I don't know, like it just, I feel like we see it a lot. Then we'll have spurts where we have good stretches where no one misses weight or if they do, it's real close or 
I don't know. But then recently you see all this shit going on, the Diaz thing, then Aspen Ladd, now this. There does need to be something. I just don't know if purse percentages are enough anymore to keep fighters from wanting to take advantage of the legal form of cheating, as you kind of put it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you raise the amount of purse taken away, then are those guys that miss weight even going to fight? If they're mm-hmm. if they if they're only going to make 40%, 30% of what they would, would have, but if you take away a point right away, you're automatically down on the scorecards. You're down around, basically. Yeah. Especially if it's a three round fight, then that, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I think that's what should happen. I would, I, that, that would be my, if I, if I was in charge of these, you know, commissions. commissions. But I understand that that's not the way it is right now. And because of that, you're going to keep seeing more of this. Not necessarily right. this to this extreme where, yeah, you know, again, I think Paula might have a little bit of foot and mouth here and he just, if only he was so as articulate as Nick Diaz, you know, right. Right. <laughs> Said nobody ever, but if only, like, if only he had just worded himself a little different, maybe people wouldn't be so hard on him about this, but you know, it's the way it goes. Still looking forward to the fight. And if anything, this fight, is now must-see TV. If it wasn't yeah. before, now, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I got to tune in. Exactly. So we do have a few more fights to talk about for the rest. And there's a few sleepers on here. It starts with the co-main event. Grant Dawson, undefeated in the UFC, goes up against Ricky Glenn. And Dominic, Grant Dawson is a very good fighter. Former Contender Series contract earner. He has been perfect in the UFC. He hasn't lost, but he hasn't quite gotten that name value that a lot of guys in his position would have had by now. This might be the fight for him to do it. That co-main slot, it's a pretty thin card in terms of name value. And now that main event's even turned into a bit of a shit show. Yeah, It'd be a big opportunity for Grant Dawson, but Ricky Glenn, no pushover. Yeah, this is a very fun scrap. And for Dawson, is he the definition of just flying under the radar? When you look at the prospects that we have in the UFC, especially now that this is you know the lightweight division, which makes it even harder for him to crack into those prominent names. But hey, man, 5-0 in the UFC. He, he's on the contender series and won his fight there. He's finished 15 out of 17 fights. He's on an eight-fight win streak. What more do you want out of a prospect? So I think this could be his coming out party, a co-main event slot, primetime television. Um, you know, that daytime card that we're getting. Uh, Ricky Glenn, an ultra-tough guy, a veteran that's been in there a lot. I'll be curious to see how Dawson can respond to this test. And if he does, you'd have to think, can we please test this guy with top 15 next? Because if he goes to be 16 or 6-0 in the UFC, 18-1 and overall, damn. I mean, what else does a guy got to do? So I'm very excited to see this. And I think being that Ricky Glenn is such a seasoned vet that is very scrappy, it's going to be a tough one, and it's a very fan-friendly bout. Yeah, Grant Dawson has the highest win percentage out of every contract earner on the Contender Series up to this point. Nobody has won every fight that they've been given in the UFC and had as many as Grant Dawson, 5-0. and Nobody yeah. is, yeah, you know, guys like Sean O'Malley, you know, Alex Perez, they've all lost. Yeah, and but yet Dawson and pushed is, the slowest. Yeah, 5-0, and that he is the basically most successful Contender Series alum up to this point. We don't make the rules. We just say the stats. (laughs) Exactly. Now, here's my fight of the night pick. 
And okay. again, it's going to go under the radar, but Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy going up against Sung Woo Choi, going to be that kind of, I guess, grappler, striker matchup. I hate using that because it's really yeah. not accurate nowadays, but all in all, Sung Woo Choi has looked fantastic on the feet in his fights. He is deadly. He is accurate, throws with a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Alex Caceres has been around for so long. The guy's 14 and 10 in the UFC. Yeah, he's been crazy. fighting for a long time. And, you know, he's had some iffy runs, but he's on the best run of his career at this point. He's won either four or five in a row. Yeah. And is nearly cracked. He, people, I swear to God, he was ranked 15 he in the division for like, for like a week. Yeah. And then they took him right back out. Now, do I think that Alex Caceres should be the number 15 ranked featherweight in the world? I don't think he should be, but that shows that he's knocking on the door. So when this fight might be fighting top 15 next, especially if it's Alex Caceres, but I think Sung Woo Choi is the guy I'm siding with here, but Caceres is the proven commodity. He's done it against guys just as good as Sung Woo Choi. And um, not, it's not It's a t- big step up for Choi and for Caceres. It's just, Kind of another day in the office in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's another one of those fights for Bruce Leroy. And, you know, you'd like to see the guy crack back <laughs> into the rankings if he can rally off a fifth or sixth, whatever the streak is in this one against Sung Woo Choi. But uh, the way that he fights is interesting, too, because he just kind of, if there's anyone that is good at point fighting, and he's he has finished some recently on his streak, but he's very good at picking shots and being able to, you know, take points over the course of three rounds. But Choi's going to be the guy that really pressures forward, puts a pace on him. So in that aspect, I lean toward Choi uh, being at, you know, the two types of styles that these guys have. That should be a fun fight. Also on this card, Jun Young Park and Gregory Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. It'll be a fun striking matchup. Uh, Jun Young Park might have the power advantage, but Rodriguez, we saw how he looked against Dusko in his last fight. Sid from Toy Story is, is yeah. as he's also known in these parts. Yeah. Um, and Rodriguez, a guy who lost on the Contender Series to Jordan Williams, yeah. who has not had a very successful run in the UFC. He's coming off a loss to Mickey Gall, in case you guys don't know who he is. He hasn't had a very successful UFC run. Rodriguez, coming off that loss, has looked like a new fighter. He's looked terrific in the UFC. And I, I'm including this on here because if he wins here, I think it might be time to start to, to start accepting that this guy might be for real. Yeah, I mean, both these guys are on three-fight win streaks. They kind of fight a very similar way. They're middleweights, so big guys, 6'3", 5'10", so a big height advantage for Gregory. I'm excited to see how these guys will do. It should be a fun scrap. And again, someone that lost on the contender but has looked so good since and cracks in without getting a second chance says a lot about what the UFC thinks about uh, Gregory. Mm-hmm. And last one, this might be the people's main event. That's the, it is the for people's me, baby. co-main event. <laughs> yeah, it's Dominic's main event. Mason Jones versus the newcomer, David Onama. Yes. And I believe, has Mason Jones won a fight in the UFC yet? Or is he, he, he has is, one win? He's 0-1 with one no contest. But Very, do not let that record yeah. yes. fool you people. That no contest, he was dominating that fight against Alan Patrick. That yep. was supposed to be his opponent here. Um, but I think it was an eye poke, accidental eye poke that ended that fight. Um, Mason Jones comes from Wales, I yes. think it is. So he's got that UK following behind him. A lot of people very excited about him. However, Dominic, 
tell the people why David Onama just ain't some late replacement newcomer off the street. All I've seen this week in the MMA community, because we're so deeply involved now, being that we're <laughs> such prominent names in the industry, David Onama should be on everyone's radar. It's going to be his UFC debut. He's 8-0, five KOTKOs, three submissions. Where's that bell we used to do? No, that's 100% finish rate. Ding, ding, five ding, of those, ding-a-ding-a-ding. Ding. <laughs> uh, five of those have been in the first round. He's only 27 years old. These are two very highly touted prospects going against one another. Tough debut. For David Onama, but I'm excited to see how he does. And for Mason Jones, I feel the same way about him as I do Jack Shore, except Mason hasn't even won a fight in the UFC yet, but I can't help but realize his potential here. He's finished 7 out of 10. He's only 26. This is a fantastic fight. This is one that, I don't know, I didn't watch if you don't know now you know this week from Dana, but if he didn't talk about this one, this is on my if you don't know now you know. This is a fantastic fight. You can't miss this fight. Yeah, I mean, really, both these guys could end up being names that you'll have to keep an eye on for a while. But yes. it feels like more of a, a, a must-win for Mason Jones because he is still looking for that first win in the UFC. But mm-hmm. the guy is definitely better than what that would suggest. And yes, um, David Onama, man, get taking this fight on short notice. What a savage! Yes, I'm so excited. It's gonna wrap it up for this Friday edition of. MMA weekend preview. Give us your thoughts on these fights. Are your thoughts about everything going on with this main event with Paulo Costa? Tell um, me I'm not alone, people. Yeah, just just clean up the language a little bit. I know everybody's got strong opinions, but you know, yeah. don't 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 be as don't choose your words as strongly as I did. Okay. Yeah. Just, let's let's all love each other here. We're good influences. Yes. <laughs> But uh, we'll be coming to you guys with three episodes next week. Ooh, it's been right. a while. So thank you guys for getting to 150 and for your support. We will have our Reddit roundtable coming next Wednesday and obviously Monday and Friday. Going to have the – it's going to be a little weird, though. We Obviously, <laughs> Monday recaps, Friday previews, but Monday is going to feel a lot like a preview, and Friday is going to feel a lot like a recap. Yeah. Um, that's because PFL – is on Wednesday. Of course. It's and, the most PFL thing ever. If it's not a <laughs> Thursday, it's a Wednesday. And it's a huge card for a Wednesday, man. You know, it's it's the finals. Of yeah, everything, six title fights. Everything we've talked about over the course of the summer and everything, Dominic, it all comes to a head here. It's the yeah. championship. So there's going to be a lot for us to dive into on that for Monday and Friday. And Tuesday Night Contender we'll be talking about on Friday. Um, just a lot going on. Then it, it, next Friday, too. Exactly. Oh, God. Next Friday is going to be a six-hour episode. I feel it. <laughs> Shit, that's the Lord of the Rings of our fucking catalog. <laughs> yeah, that one. But um, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dsley 14 More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at NT Baker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, it'll take you to a link tree. Yeah. Which provides you a list of links okay. to all the platforms. The podcast is on along with the social media platforms. So that includes, but is not limited to it kind of is a little. The Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out, Anchor.
Shout out. First, leaving a voice message. Do it, people. Come on, baby. Let's go. And there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast that just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. But that's it. We're out. We'll see you all on Monday.